All right, so this morning I'm bringing our discourse to a close on how to fight and overcome sexual temptation. Has it been worth it? All right, I know normally people don't talk about things like this in church, but it's imperative we talk about it, you know, because um, if you don't know the truth, if you hear a lie long enough, you will eventually believe it. You know, many don't talk about things like this, especially in a church setting, uh, maybe out of fear. Well, not maybe, often out of fear, you know. Um, some preachers are afraid, right, that if I talk about things like this, you know, um, the people might not like it. <laughs> Praise God. And number two, some don't even know how to talk about it, right? So, um, I strongly believe um, we need to have this understanding this morning that this is not being taught out of a place of condemnation. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Right? It's being taught out of a place of understanding, because Jesus said, go into the world and disciple all nations. And he went on further to say how oh, you're going to do that. He says, by teaching them everything I taught you. And if you are a student of the scriptures, you realize that in the gospel, Jesus spoke about marriage. Right? He spoke about the relationship between a man and a woman. So it's critical for us to understand it. So this is the third part in the message. So I would encourage you to go to the website you know, um, and get the message and listen to it on our podcast platforms, on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify, right? The messages are there. Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 4. Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 4, the King James Version says, marriage is honorable among all, and the bed undefiled. It says, but fornicators and adulterers, God will judge. I love the way the message translation puts it. It says, honor marriage. And guard the sacredness of sexual intimacy between wife and husband. He said, God draws a firm line against casual and illicit sex. God draws a firm line against it. In James chapter 1, verse 12 to verse 16, if you can have it on the screen so we can all read it together. James chapter 1, verse 12 and verse 16. Uh, let's read together one to go. That's not everybody. Let's clear our truth. <clears throat> All right, let's go. Blessed is the man that endures temptation. For when he's tried, he shall receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to them that love him. Let no man say when he's tempted, I'm tempted of God. For God cannot be tempted with evil. Neither tempts he any man. But every man is tempted when he's drawn away of his own lust and enticed. Then when lust has conceived, it brings forth sin, and sin, when it is finished, brings forth death. Do not err, my beloved brethren. May the Lord bless the reading of his words in Jesus' name. So we see here, the Bible is saying that there is a reward that comes right when you endure temptation. And we need to realize, uh, very quickly, I just want to talk about what I call the anatomy of temptation. The anatomy of temptation, very quickly. Number one, we need to realize that temptation is not a sin. Temptation is not a sin. Because the Bible makes us to understand that Jesus himself was tempted. So temptation is not a sin. And we need to understand that there's a difference between a temptation and the test. I explained that at the midweek recharge on Wednesday. The purpose of a test, right, is to promote you. The purpose of a temptation is to demote you. Right, so God brings tests away. For instance, nobody goes to the next level in an institution of learning, right, without having passed, you know, the test of the level they are currently in. But you see, when a temptation comes, when a temptation comes, the purpose, right, is to hinder what God wants to do in your life. 
That's why you see um, what the devil did with Jesus in Matthew chapter 4. The Bible says that the devil came to Jesus and began to present different scenarios before him. He said, if you do this, you know, I'm going to give you this. And Jesus kept saying, it is written. It is written. He said, if truly you are the son of God, why don't you do this? He said, if truly you are the son of God, turn stones into bread. Do this and do that. But the Bible says that Jesus, right, kept resisting the devil. And I think it is Luke, maybe Luke 5 there about. You know, uh, um, the Bible says that the devil left Jesus for a while. For a while. So it simply means that even though that was the only recorded temptation of Jesus, there were other times in which it was tested. Right? It was tempted. In Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 15. Hebrews 4 and verse 15. I want us to see that. Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 15. The Bible says, For we do not have a high priest who is not unable to empathize with our weaknesses. It says, But we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are. Yet it did not sin. Did you see that? So Jesus was tempted in every way. Whatever temptation you may think of, whether it's sexual temptation, whether it's financial temptation, the Bible says that Jesus has been through it all. And the Bible says, but yet he did not sin. Some might say, oh, it's because he was the son of God. But you need to realize that Jesus came to the earth as a man. Even though he was 100% God's son, he was also 100% a man. And so the Bible says that it was tempted in every way, in all points. But the Bible says that yet he did not sin. He did not sin. You see, so we need to realize that temptation is not a sin. That's the first thing we need to understand. It is when we fall into it, right, that it becomes a sin. The second thing we need to realize about temptation is that it is often born out of an undue crave and desire. To get something at a wrong time or a wrong way. I'm going to say that again. A temptation is often born out of an undue crave and desire. To get something or fulfill a need at a wrong time or in the wrong way. So every time, for instance, someone tempted to take bribes, right? It's not that it is wrong for that person to have money. But it simply means that person is trying to get it the wrong way. Having sex is not a sin, but having it outside of marriage becomes the wrong time. So what makes a temptation a temptation is when something is born out of a genuine desire, but you now fulfill it at a wrong time, right, or in a wrong way. That's why James 1 and verse 14 says that, but every man is tempted when he's drawn away of his own lust, right, and enticed. So there must be a desire. A genuine desire. So every time a man is tempted or a woman is tempted, it is out of a genuine need. It is something that is a genuine desire. That they, For instance, let me use this illustration. And eunuch, we all know what eunuch is, right? If you study the Bible, there are some guys, you know, that have been committed to the service of the king. And sometimes the king will even trust them, you know, with the queen, right? And their concubines. So to show their level of commitment, what they often do is they castrate such men. That is, they will not be able to, you know, perform sexually. Such a man, you can't tempt him with a woman. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Because the need is no longer there. The desire has been removed, right? So something only becomes a temptation when they say, what the devil uses is what you truly crave for. There are some people that you cannot, you know, tempt with alcohol. 
there are people, you know, totellers or something like that. That's the English word. Some people just don't take, you know, they are not just the drinkers. It's not because they are righteous. It's not because they are spiritual, but drinking is not just their thing. Do you understand what I'm saying? So what the devil uses as a temptation is what is a genuine desire. A crave for something, right? But it now moves you to fulfill that need at a wrong time or in a wrong way. The third thing we need to understand about the temptation is that it is inevitable. They come and will come to everyone. Because even the son of God was not exempted from it. Temptations are inevitable. That's why I love the way Luke puts it. It says the devil left him for a while. For a while. For a while. If you've not been tempted, get ready. It is coming. I want you to look at your neighbor. Say neighbor. It is coming. <laughs> so it is coming. And let me tell you this. If you've been tempted before and you fell into the temptation, another one is coming. So our lives will never so that's why I'm telling us that this teaching is not out of condemnation it is out of understanding because the truth is um, you can't know how to prevent something or you'll not be able to prevent something if you don't know how to so the purpose of this teaching right is to equip us to arm us with the truth so that we might know how to position ourselves the bible says the prudent man foresees the evil and he hides himself foreseeing the evil talks about discernment is able to see something before every other person sees it you see what a kind of teaching like this will do is that it will increase your discernment when it comes to sexual temptation when certain things begin to happen you'll be able to say ah if i do this if i do this this is where this is going to end up i think i mentioned in church on wednesday at the midweek recharge right a passage of the scripture where the bible says one of the reasons why joseph was able to receive potiphar's wife was because after potiphar's wife made that advancement the bible says that joseph refused to speak with her and even to spend time with her so if joseph had said no no i'm not doing I'm not, and they kept talking he would have done it but the bible says from that moment Joseph refused to talk to her or even to be with her. That was the error of Eve. I strongly believe the first time, right, that Eve, uh, the serpent had that conversation with Eve was not the time that Eve ate that fruit. It took time of convincing. Time, you know, for her to doubt the, the integrity of God. That is it true that God, you know, is hiding something from us? Is it true that maybe he doesn't want us to become like him? You see, so it took time. It took time. So what a teaching like this will do is that it will give you discernment and help you to recognize things before they get close. So understand these temptations are inevitable. It comes to everyone. Number four, understand that falling into a temptation is a choice because God promised to provide a way of escape. Falling into a temptation is a choice. It might not feel like a choice. Sometimes you might feel, I was helpless. I didn't even know where it happened. But if you look at what happened and you track the process, you will realize that it was not the devil that made you do it. You know, when people do things wrong in this part of the world, they say it's the devil. Everything is the devil. But nobody does well and say it's the devil. Have you ever thought about it? A guy gave his life to Christ. I've been, been sexually addicted. So after he gave his life to Christ, you know, he kept visiting the brothel, you know, and one day his pastor, you know, corrected him and said, you are now a believer. 
You are a child of God. You shouldn't be doing that. He said, Pastor, it's the devil that carries me there. I've told us that story before. So the pastor said, if the devil can carry you there, you should carry us together. The pastor said, let's go. So they went to the brothel and stayed on the other side of the road. And the pastor told him, now tell the devil to carry us inside. He said, Pastor, it's not like that. Something just moves. He said, let that thing move us together. You see, the devil will not move your leg. You are the one that will take those steps. Are you hearing what I'm saying? That's why even the Bible says the steps of the righteous man are ordered. It is the steps you take that God walks with. The Bible says that when the four lepers, right, were outside the gate and the prophecy had been given in the city, right, that there was going to be abundance the next day, it took the steps of the lepers for God to perform the prophecy that he had spoken in the city. The Bible says as the lepers were moving towards the camp, God amplified the sound of their feet and the enemy nation began to hear the sound of the mighty army. And they said, oh, the king of Israel has hired nations against us and they ran for their dear life, leaving everything that will be an instrument of the fulfillment of the prophecy God already gave in the city through Elijah. But some people have to take steps. So in the same way, you need to realize that every temptation falling into is, it might be an unconscious choice, but it is still a choice. The devil can make you do anything the same way God can make you do anything. Am I making sense this morning? Understand that on this earth, God will never violate your free will. He will never. That's why when Eve was about to um, take the fruit, do you think God did not see Eve? The Bible says everything lays bare before him. God did not say, ah, Eve, don't eat. <laughs> As she was plucking the fruit, admiring it. God was seeing it. But it's our choice. You see, because if man does not have the ability to choose, we will not be human beings. We would have been robots of some sort. And God said, let us make man after our own image, after our own likeness. That's why in Genesis chapter 11, when they were building the tower, who stopped the cell will reach into heavens. The Bible said that God himself, right, said that these things will not be withheld from them, which they have imagined to do. As long as man decides to do something, even God will not stop it. So the devil can make you do it, neither can God make you do whatever it is you don't want to do. That's what the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 10 and verse 13. Let's see it. 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 13. 1 Corinthians 10 and verse 13. The Bible says no temptation has overtaken you except what is common to man. Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, it is common. Look at another person and say, it is common. You see, one of the lies of the devil is to make you believe that what you have done, it has not happened to anybody before. You see, the devil specializes people's circumstances and that's how he keeps them there. So nobody see that thing. You're going, ah, don't tell anybody. Oh. And I'm still going to come there. Don't tell anybody. Oh. If you tell them, ah, they will be looking at you with one eye. Like a sinner. <laughs> so he will make sure he isolates you so that you can continue in that sin. And probably die in it. Praise the Lord. So he says, there is no temptation that has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. He says, and God is faithful. Somebody say, God is faithful. Somebody say, God is faithful. He says, he will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. Did you see that? So if the temptation comes, if you fall into it, you could have undoed it. That's what the Bible says. He says he will not allow it to come if you cannot bear. So anytime we see ourselves falling into a temptation, it's because maybe we did not build the strength required to undo the temptation of that season. But according to God's order, you had the capacity to undo it. 
It says he will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you can bear. It says, but when you are tempted, God will provide a way of escape so that you can endure it. Did you see that? It says he will make a way of escape so that you might be able to bear it. So falling into a temptation is a choice because God promised to provide a way of escape. So if you don't escape through the way he provides, it's because you chose the pleasure of sin above God's deliverance. Number five, temptations come through your desires and legitimate need. I think I already explained that. Temptation comes through your desires and legitimate need. It comes through your desires and legitimate need. Number six, every act of temptation makes you weak for successive temptation. I'm going to say that again. Every act of temptation, right, makes you weak or it weakens you for successive temptations. So, when you fall into a temptation, one of the lies the devil tells you is, oh, there's nothing you can do about it. This is who you are. So, if you're not careful, you accept it as, ah, oh, I can't handle it. So, when the temptation comes again, you just welcome it. No resistance. Are you hearing what I'm saying? No resistance. So, anytime you allow yourself to fall into a temptation, it weakens you for the next one that is going to come. It weakens you. That's why I've said it time and time again. That whatever you don't deal with when you're on the ground floor, it will deal with you when you rise. It will deal with you. You see, what brought Solomon down did not start when Solomon became great. And Samson. It started from when they were, you know, they started from ground zero. It was already a habit. You know, especially look at someone like Samson. His parents told him, why don't we get a woman for you among the Jews? He said, no, 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 no. This is the one I want. Get her for me at all costs. You know, until the moment he found himself in the laps of a devilish woman. So because he was already, you know, falling into it previously, when he found himself in the laps of a devilish woman, he was too weak to resist that temptation. It's like a muscle. The more you build it, for instance, for those of us that have been to the gym before, praise God, and for those of us that have escaped, God forgive us. <laughs> praise God. All that started and ran away. <laughs> we know ourselves, right? Don't worry, you don't raise your hand, but we know ourselves. <laughs> you are looking at me, I'm looking at you. Don't worry, we are together. <laughs> so when you start, what happens? There is so much pain, Right? When you start lifting those weights, even if it's bricks walking, you start feeling those pains. But when you do it over time, you are doing the same thing, even lifting heavier weights, but you don't feel the pain anymore. Because that muscle has been strengthened. Do you understand what I'm saying? But you see, if you don't strengthen that muscle, it becomes weaker. So the day you need that muscle to carry heavy weight, it will not serve you because you didn't develop it. Do you understand that simple illustration? So what are the practical steps? Oh, no, no, no. Before I go into that, I want to talk about the seven benefits of avoiding illicit sex. The seven benefits of avoiding sexual temptation. Is that okay? Alright, number one is peace of mind. Peace of mind. Peace of mind. Peace of mind. Not having to bother that one day somebody will discover something about you. It gives you peace of mind. And let me tell you, peace is amazing. Ha. It's amazing. You see, I used to be in a relationship that was full of turmoil. I didn't know how what peace was until I got out. If there's anybody like that in a relationship like that, may God deliver you. In the name of Jesus. Don't worry, if you are not in a relationship like that, say amen on the behalf of those that are in it. If you are in a relationship of trouble and turmoil, may God deliver you in Jesus' name. 
you know, out of fear, some people stay in a relationship where there is no peace, where there is constant chaos. I was in a relationship years ago, you know, that a week without misunderstanding is worthy of celebration. A week or seven days. And I'm not talking about small arguments. As an argument that you will shout, you will, one day I just have to sit myself down, that, is this that I want to live my life? You know, some people don't do what I call self-introspection. Introspection is already self, but I'm adding self to it. As in that you just sit down and analyze your life and your future. That's just I want to live the rest of my life. I told myself, ah, I will die early if I continue like this. You know? So one of the things that happens when you avoid sexual temptation or when you get to a point in your life and you say, from today, I'm making a commitment to God to live right. One of the benefits is that it gives you peace of mind peace of mind. There will be no need to hide anything. There will be no need to cover anything up. That's why one of the things I say to people, you know, engage to be married during counseling. I always emphasize don't keep secrets. Their secrets will come out. It might take 10 years. It might take 30 years, but it will come out. Because the Bible says there is nothing hidden that will not be revealed. It's a scripture. There is, it's a, no, matter how, <laughs> no matter how much you try to hide anything, it will come out. So anybody that cannot undo your past is not worthy of your future. I hear what I'm saying. So even if you have messed up in the past, but you have repented, you have turned a new leaf, before you say, I do, communicate it. Don't say, no, 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 no. I, I, I'm a secondary. So, you know, I know it doesn't matter. God has wiped away my past. It is God that wiped it away. That person has not wiped it away. So you must give them the honor of deciding, do I want to continue with you, right? Or do I want to check out? Is somebody hearing what I'm saying this morning? So it gives you peace of mind. Number two, you are able to focus on the most important things of life. You are able to focus on the most important things of life. One of the things that happens when you begin to get engaged in sex outside marriage, whether as a single person or as a married person, is that you start getting distracted. You start getting distracted from the most important things, your relationship with God, your relationship with your spouse, your business, your career. You see, no matter how smart you are, it will be affected. That's why, you know, where I come from, they call it, you know, collect it and spend it. <laughs> That's the Yoruba word. You know, I used to hear it growing up one day and I analyze it. What's, you know, for those of us that don't understand Yoruba, I don't know the English. It's Agbano. <laughs> engage in illicit sex. That's what it means. That you will just be getting money and spending it. You will not be able to gather. Because, see, some people, the money they should have spent to buy land, their house would have gotten to roofing. They have used it Friday night for one year. <laughs> Praise the Lord. So you are able to focus on the important things of life, your career, your vision, building wealth for the future generation, laying up something for your children. Number three benefit of avoiding illicit sex is that it gives you confidence in coming into God's presence. Confidence in coming into God's presence. The Bible says, let us come boldly. Hebrews 4 and verse 16. It says, let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace even in the time of need. The Bible did not say we should just come into God's presence. Did you see that? It says, let us therefore come boldly. And the devil knows that as a believer, if you have lost your confidence, you have really, truly lost everything. One of the things that gets attacked the moment you see, look at Adam and Eve. The Bible says every day God will spend time with them in the cool of the day. But when they sin, the Bible says they hid themselves. They had never hidden themselves before. 
Because something just drives you away from God's presence. And if you run away from God, who will help you? So that's one of the things that devil see. When the devil pushes you, do it, doesn't matter, it doesn't see. One of the things he's after is that your confidence. He knows you will not have the confidence to, you see, even if you fake it. I remember when I was on campus, you know, one of our pastors when I was in school <laughs> was sharing an, an experience, an episode of, you know, a, um, an engaged couple who was counseling with us. You know, I was talking to us about sex. I'm always grateful to God, you know, for men that are confident enough to talk about these things. You know, and they said, you know, this couple, they came to him and they said, the reason, you know, these people, they've been sleeping with themselves. Choir leader. An instrumentalist in church. Doing it consistently. They said the reason why they continue was because number one, they believe the grace of God covered them. And number two, they believe that when they finish, when they stand up like this, they will just face the wall. Rap up and say, ah, it is still there, it's still there. So the only thing, <laughs> it's still there. See, that's why most times when we are praying in tongues, I always tell you, don't pray mechanical tongues. If you've been praying in tongues for a while, even if the spirit is not in what you are saying, because you have been saying it for a while, you don't need to think. You can just be saying something and it's not, it's not making sense in the realm of the spirit. So the fact that someone just stood up from the bed of fornication and adultery and can say, Rabah, it's not there. It's demons taking over your tongue. In fact, as you are speaking, you are reporting yourself, God, we have done it again. You know you don't understand what you are saying. <laughs> Angels are interpreting, God, we have done it again. <laughs> Praise God. So, the benefit number three is confidence in coming into God's presence. Confidence in coming into God's presence. Number five. Number four. Is that sexual purity enhances creativity. Sexual purity enhances creativity. Because it frees your mind. It frees your mind to focus on the essentials. Right? That's why when you study history, the greatest innovators... The creators. You see, one of the things you will not, uh, you, you will notice that many of them, not all, many of them, you know, they lived the life of maybe like a, a, a life of recluse. You never saw them, you know, uh, um, uh, caught up with um, things like illicit sex and all those things because they knew that it will affect their creativity. It will affect it. It does affect it. Number five, benefit of avoiding illicit sex is that it delivers you from future pain and regrets. It delivers you from future pain and regret. Just like I said, uh, I think that was last week Sunday. Every time you get involved in illicit sex, it always comes with things that are unwanted. Unwanted things always accompany it. Unwanted things. Unwanted things. And you see, one of the benefits is that it helps you, it delivers you from future pain and regret. Ah, I wish I would not have, ah, you know, all those things. In marriage, there is no, ah, I wish I, there's nothing like that. If I feel, ah, I wish I did more. That's what happens in marriage, praise the Lord. Married people, am I right? Ah, married people are not sure. Ah, we need sexual class, we need sex class. <laughs> praise the Lord. For married people, <laughs> and about to get married. Praise God. Um, sixth benefit is productivity at work and in business. Productivity at work and in business, which is born out of focus. You are more productive. You are, not, you are more productive. And number seven, it enables you to mentor the younger generation that purity is a possibility. It enables you to mentor the younger generation that purity is a possibility, especially in today's sex-charged world. So what are the practical steps to overcoming sexual temptation? We already said number one, um, do whatever it takes to create and stay in the right environment. We emphasized that last week Sunday. Number two, 
avoid the vacuum of silence at all costs. Avoid the vacuum of silence. Avoid the vacuum of silence. Make sure any moment spent with the opposite sex, especially uh, someone you are in a relationship with or engaged with, is filled with profitable things. Don't just encourage vacuum of silence, you know, nothing to be done. Before you know it, you'll be looking into each other's eyes. You know, when you are looking, you start seeing things you should not be seeing, you know, and your life gravitates in the direction of your vision. Praise the Lord. Avoid the vacuum of silence. Uh, number three, avoid emotional and verbal intimacy with the opposite sex. Avoid emotional and verbal intimacy with the opposite sex. Anyone you are not married to, uh, you should reduce verbal intimacy with those people. What do I mean by that? There are things, for instance, even as a married person, uh, no matter what my wife does, I, there are certain people I'd rather share with someone above us. Or no matter what I do, you can't be sharing that with a female friend. You get closer to people you talk to. That's why intimacy is built in the place of communication, not sex. If it is built through sex, sex workers should have the strongest and most intimate relationship in this world. But they don't. As a matter of fact, you know, research proven, many of them eventually die by suicide. Because they realize, you know, when it eventually dawns on them, they realize they, are, they, they experience empty lives, lonely lives, you know. So avoid the vacuum of silence. Avoid it. Um, avoid verbal intimacy, sorry, with the opposite sex. That's number three. Number four, don't be afraid of falling into temptations. Rather, have faith in God's ability to uphold you. Don't constantly be afraid. Hey, ah, what if I fall? What if I Mm-mm. Job 3 and verse 25, Job said the things that I greatly fear has come upon me. I have faith in God, right? That God is going to help me. You see, I might have done it before by making a commitment that from this day onward, I'm going to live right and I'm trusting God, not in my own ability. Not in my own ability. Not, ah, if he touches me, I need to have no, no, Get that fear out. Because fear and faith is magnetic in nature. Or they are magnetic in nature. Faith connects you to God's ability. Fear connects you to the devil's potential. Number five, don't be sentimental. Be sensitive to your destiny. Don't be sentimental. Don't be sentimental. How does that help you to avoid sexual temptations? It means sometimes you might learn to say no. You have to develop the ability to say no and let your no be no. Not half no and three quarter yes. Uh, actually, you know, no. Can I come to pass the night? No. And you don't need any further explanation. I hear what I'm saying. Can you call do me? No. You have a lifetime to be called dude. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Are you hearing what I'm saying? This pastor is not tapping. Ah, uh, thank you. I'm not too sh- I'm preserving your destiny. You see, let me tell you this. One of the things living a life of sexual purity, one of the things it does for you is that it frees your mind from imagining nonsense. So people are cuddling their wife, but their mind is somewhere else. They are imagining another woman in their arms because they have caught you too many. I hear what I'm saying. And vice versa. Those are the things you see. Those are the things God wants to he wants to keep you from. Because God promised to wipe away, forgive us our sins. He didn't promise to wipe away your memory. Have you ever thought about it? It is as I forgive you now, you will suffer from amnesia. I will wipe away your memory. As you see the person, you will not remember again. Who are you? Have I met you before? He didn't say he would do that. <laughs> Praise God. 
Number six, don't put yourself in arm's way. Don't put yourself in arm's way. Wearing see-through clothes. So go and visit the person you are dating. <laughs> That's what they call alpha and bully, but <laughs> The alpha is, is, <laughs> is about to see. <laughs> it appreciates in your language. Praise God. Wearing see-through clothes. Keeping clothes. Revealing clothes. Huh? Or as a man. You have six pack. You now wear five feet and all the muscle, everything is showing. And you know the person you are dating is moved by those things. So I like your bicep. Let me touch it. Let me touch it. Ah, you're, ah, it's, it's firm. It's firm. Firm foundation. <laughs> Don't put yourself in arm's way. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Don't put yourself in arm's way. Don't put yourself in arm's way. Very, very important. Talking behind closed door. Ah. Huh? As engaged couple is putting yourself behind in arm's way. And say, what you want to talk about? It's so private, you don't want anybody to hear. Ah, you can create a distance. Let people be seeing you and be talking what you want to talk. When I say no, 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 it's, it's very serious. We lock the door. You lock it three times. <laughs> if they want to help you, there are three levels of help. <laughs> By the time they want to open the three, you have <laughs> the devil has caught you in his web. Don't put yourself in arm's way, right? Visiting the opposite sex at ungodly hours is putting yourself in arm's way. Are you hearing what I'm saying? No matter that, hey, I want to finish something tonight. You can do it the next day. Is somebody hearing what I'm saying? And I say, oh, but it does not only happen in the night. Yes, but in the night, it is more difficult to escape. Or you fall into the hands of vigilante. <laughs> Praise God. Hallelujah. These things are, may sound humorous, but they are powerful. Are you hearing what I'm saying? I think I told us last week Sunday when I went to visit First Lady. How many of us remember? You guys like story. If, <laughs> if I say what to the three steps now, you will not remember. You know why I ran away that day? Why I just left? You know, she was wearing bum shorts, and my wife is light skinned and spark. Ah, that day. You know, I was still trying to do. No, the man of God, you shall resist the devil, and the devil will flee from you. So I turned out to devil. Something just told me, oh God, you are the one that will resist here. <laughs> so I took to my heart. When I got to my call, I said, if I had waited, something would have forget, Pastor. This one, anointing does not cover it. That's why you hear something about ah, some men of God did this. Because anointing does not cover this thing. In fact, you can do it anointedly. <laughs> Praise God. You know, so don't put yourself in arms. That day I knew, ah, this is arms way. If I don't do something now, there's no... <laughs> Praise the Lord. Oh, pastor, are you that weak? Yes. <laughs> you know, all of you are saying, ah, I'm strong, I'm strong. That's how you have been falling. Because you are too strong. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Number seven. Respond immediately to every promptings of the spirit. When a light bulb goes off in your spirit, respond to it. When you notice that your, your heart rate increases, ah. say, no, no, stop it, stop it. Be a man. Uh, <laughs> that one is not be a man. Uh, respond immediately to the promptings of the spirit. So once the Holy Spirit tells you, get out of this environment, move now. Just respond. Number eight, guard your heart from wrong word seeds. Guard your heart from wrong word seeds. The things you hear matters a lot. I explained that on Wednesday, so get the message. Number nine, watch what you watch. Especially when you are alone with the opposite sex. Did I say that on Wednesday? Watch what you watch, especially when you are alone with the opposite sex. You can't be with someone you are dating, uh, and you are watching 
You can say it's no, it's not pornography. See, many of the Hollywood movie now is fifty percent pornography. Don't deceive yourself. That's why now they will even show you as you are starting the movie. They will show eighteen plus. They will show violence, sex, nudity. They write it there, and now you see, you say, "No, what is it? It should be fame." Ah, it's just fame. Hmm. Continue. You will eventually become what you behold. You are not even watching it alone. You are now watching it together. Alone. With popcorn. You just realize that as you are eating the popcorn, the pace will reduce. You will put the popcorn by the side. You, know, you will hold the hand. Ah, you are not enjoying the movie. Very soon you will enjoy each other. <laughs> Number 10, guard your inner circle. Did I talk about that? Not yet. All right. Guard your inner circle. Guard your inner circle. That is your relationships and friends. If sin is a common thing to your friends, it will be a common thing in your life. I hear what I'm saying. Avoid your friends. Huh? If they are bathing with sin, you mess up and say, oh, what is it? It does not really matter. Even God knows you are weak. All of us are weak. Nobody will pass. Guy, forget about it. Next time, go do better. See, you will never live a life of purity that way. Guard your inner circle. Have people that when you mess up, huh? they will not condemn you, but they will look you in the face and let you know what you did is wrong. That you should have done better next time. You don't need people that will be using hands to rub your head. Ah, no, 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 no. You need people that will give you a spanking. Verbal spanking. That even you will look at yourself and say, ah, I'm better than this. That's the kind of people you need in your life. Not those that will encourage you in sin. That's the kind of friend Amnon had. That's why he lost his life on the throne. A friend like Jonadab, he told his friend, ah, I feel like sleeping with my sister. I said, what is it you feel? And you have not done it. What's wrong with you? You should do something with your feelings. Because those who don't do something with their feelings end up failing. Quotable quotes. <laughs> and his devil was quoted. <laughs> you know, give him a strategy. Like I said at the last master class this morning, carried out the strategy and finished his life. And you know, the amazing thing is the day he died, the day he was assassinated, it was that same Jonadab that told his father. Because they saw everyone that went to the party where he was assassinated. Everyone rushing towards the, you know, the palace, you know, it, there was chaos and everything. And David thought all the king's sons had been murdered. All his sons, all the princes had been murdered. It was that same Jonadab that told David, oh, it's not, it's only that Absalom. I'm sorry, it's only Amnon. So he's the brother of the person he raped that killed him. Don't worry, king, it's only Amnon that is dead. Every other person is fine. He was the one that delivered his death. The news of his death. And he did not say that he was the one that led him to his death. So be careful. Your inner circle. If sin is a commonplace among your friends, ah, no matter how pure you try to be. See, in life, it is easier to be pulled down than to be pulled up. Did you hear what I said? It's easier to be pulled down. I had an illustration from someone I respect many years ago. He said, he was, he was using a property, you know, for their work and everything. And his landlord is one of the top richest, you know, people in Lagos. Has a lot of real estate. So, so he said one day he just asked the man, you see, because it takes wisdom. How did you get here? So he was having a conversation with him. He said, the man said, oh, how did I get here? Are you sure you want to know? He said, yes, I want to know. He said, sit down, let me tell you. He said, when I was building my wealth, he said, I distanced myself from a lot of people that were preying on me financially. 
He said, two poor people cannot help themselves. He said, what I did when they came, he said, maybe I had one millionaire. They said, uncle, I need 20,000. He said, ah, 20,000? Why do you want me to send that kind of money? 20,000! Another person will come. He said, we overreact. It's over time. All of them said, that man does not have money, Jerry. He just looks rich. Oh, no, what? He doesn't have money. He said, so he was building his wealth. He said, when he became financially stable, he said, he now started calling all of them one by one. It's, you know, the amazing thing is, I've told us several times, poverty is not the absence of cash. It is a way of thinking. The people that needed 20,000 years ago, they still needed 20,000 10 years later. That's the amazing thing. No matter how much you try to help the poor, that's why the Bible says, the Spirit of the Lord has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. The need of the poor is not money. It is the gospel. It is the renewing of the mind. The man said, he started calling all of them, friends and family, one by one. You, how much did you say you needed? 20,000. You collect 200,000 with interest. How much do you need? So at that point, no matter how much you gave, he gave out. He said, it could not affect his wealth again. He said, it is better you climb the ladder, get to the top, and throw down the ladder, and say, climb up. Then I said, all of us, let's climb together. I said, you will not get there. They will not get there. Somebody hear what I'm saying? So guard your inner circle. Guard your inner circle. Your friends determine your hand. Proverbs 13 and verse 20. Those who walk with the wise, the Bible says they will be wise. Those who walk with the wise will be wise. Those who walk with the wise will be wise. Your environment matters. An environment has the greatest influence on every living being. I've told us two things that characterize every environment. is friends and places. Friends and places. For instance, if illiterate parents travel to the UK, right? Who can't speak English? Who can't even draw a circle successfully with the lead of the Coca-Cola? Ah, huh? That child will not speak like illiterate, a baby taken to the UK 10 years later will be speaking Queen's English. Why? Because of environment relationships. The parents might still not be able to speak well, but that child, because of the environment, because let me tell you this there is a level you get to in life, there is a particular age that it takes God for you to bend and to change. The most difficult people to change are old people. It's not impossible, but it's very difficult. Because for many, they just believe, what is it? I already know. That's why when you see an older person who is who, who has a passion to learn, celebrate such people. Celebrate. One of the people I respect the most in my life is one of my uncles. Almost 90 now, he taught me how to read. That man still reads. Sometimes I wonder, why are you still reading? What do you want to use it for? Very successful man. Successful in every regard, still reads. Some people now, even in their twenties, like, what's in this book? I've seen people like that. You know, who talk stupidly. I'm just trying to say they are not stupid. But you know, when you talk stupidly, it's the act of the overflow of being stupid. Actually, so let's call it this. <laughs> it's like, oh, all this American book, American book, hey, it's not applicable. Context may be different, but principles are the same. If you jump in Nigeria, you will come down. If you jump in America, you will come down. If you jump in China, you will come down. Principles are principles. They work everywhere. Whether it's written by white, black, Hispanic, brown, green, whatever. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Guard your inner circle. Guard your inner circle. Guard your inner circle. Number 11. Don't talk in the direction you don't want to go. Don't talk in the direction you don't want to go. Hmm. This is very important. Don't talk in the direction you don't want to go. Words are seeds. They are spirit and they are life. Words don't die. If you are a believer, you should know that. That your words are powerful. That's why we prioritize the spoken word in this house. Where we give, we speak words. 
right? Before the message, we speak words. Our prayer watches, we declare words. Because your words are more than mere sounds. In the realm of the spirit, they are construction materials. You are building your... The first thing we know about God, the Bible says, in the beginning, God said, and when he said, let us create our own image after our own likenesses and let them have dominion. There is no other creature of God that speaks like man. They make sounds, they have their way of communication, but when it comes to speaking, it's only human beings that have that ability. So your words matter a lot. Your words matter a lot. Don't talk in a direction you don't want to go. As a man, don't be close to a lady. If you are not sure, don't be saying, I love you. I really care about you. Those words are unnecessary. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And ladies who be careful of this, my, my, my dear, my darling. You are sowing seeds. You see, <clears throat> you see, especially for the guys, when you say certain things, you think you are just speaking words. You are sowing seeds. Women are moved by words. Sweetheart, what's that? This pastor, what's wrong with him? Uh, everything is right with me. And some people even carry that into marriage. When their wife complains, they say, I was wrong with you, you are too jealous, you are jealous. What's that? Some people, the endearments they don't give their wife, they are distributing it for the necessity of the things. <laughs> <laughs> they don't compliment their wife. Their wife is spent 10 hours. Well, nobody really does that in their right mind. Makeup, 10 hours. Has anybody 10 hours makeup? I don't think so. <laughs> Spends a lot of time making up, dressed up. Not, ah, ah, you are looking good. But as he enters office, ah, dupe, dupe, ah, ah, slayer of life. Why didn't you say that before you left the house? You see another person, ah, ah, oh, he is called global. Hey, what's wrong with you? You're already talking in a direction you don't want to go. Are you hearing what I'm saying? See, that is how this thing starts. You start speaking in it. You see, how do people get intimate? How do people get close before a guy hacks out a leg? By talking. You start calling her. <laughs> the person that says, I can't joke with my sleep. We start losing sleep just to talk. You're already talking in a direction. As I've always told ladies close to me. When I say close to me, that so I'm not saying close. The closest person, this is close. Because <laughs> people are funny now. Huh? Especially in this age of social media ninjas. They will cut that part of the message out and post it. <laughs> I was at a party on Friday with my pastor, you know. And I posted the reels on my timeline and somebody wrote, why spraying money? Normally, people, stupid people like that comment a lot on my timeline. And when you have tens of thousands of people following you, some people will not be seen. Normally, I just leave them. But, ah, you can't be saying something like that about my pastor. I'm that jealous when it comes to it. I replied, I said, is your money lost? understand I spray with you are you looking for your money because I don't get <laughs> so don't talk <laughs> you should celebrate <laughs> I hope when they are talking about your pastor too like that you will talk <laughs> so don't talk in a direction you don't want to go are you hearing what I'm saying don't talk in that direction stop your necessary and purposeless jokes some jokes are not necessary with someone you don't have plans for. And some guys say, ah, I didn't promise I'm married. Let me tell you, a lot of guys, you need to go and repent. You have broken many ladies' hearts. Because she has been expected, ah, she will, he will pop the question today. We will pop the question. And you are just popping champagne. No question. 
I said, ah, let, let, let's go. Today, you'll you go to Oriental. Tomorrow, four point. You are just taking a, a, like a food tester. How's it? You are not saying anything. No, we are not flashing green. You are not flashing red. You are just flashing yellow, amber. What's wrong with you? Talk in the, don't talk in the direction you don't want to go. If you are not sure, give us space. Look at the guys next to you. Say, give us space. Give us space. If you are not sure, give us space. <laughs> if you are not sure, give us space. <laughs> you know. See, I had to do that when first lady and I when we were so close. I knew that I wanted to marry this babe. But I was still not, because I don't believe there is common sense in it. You enter a relationship and I say, I don't think it can work. You now come out. Many of us are reacting divorce without knowing. I said, what are we doing? I said, ah, I'm not sure. I said, give me time. You are just covering our glory. Umbrella ministry. The people that want to come, they believe somebody is there and you are not there. Repent, hmm. brother. Because you will also have a daughter. If you don't want them to be covering her and shielding her glory, repent. Look at the brothers next to you, say repent. 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 So don't talk in the direction you don't want to go. The place where he should have stopped the temptation was at the conversation stage. Not at the point of plucking the fruits and ah, no, I will not eat it. It's at the conversation stage. Did God say you should not eat the fruits? God knows the day you eat it, you will be like him. Guys, shut up. Straight. You see, there are people in your life that when certain relationships in your life question their words, you should tell them to shut up. Are you hearing what I'm saying? For instance, I'm a very calm person, very easygoing. But he wants to see my other side speak negatively about my covenant relationships. Some people, are that, that, some people don't understand loyalty. That's one of the problems of this generation. You understand no loyalty. Someone has, some people, even their parents that gave back to them, they will be speaking negatively about it. <laughs> What's wrong with you? No alliance, no definite alliance is a problem. If you should have said, that's enough. The God that gave us all this, why is it that it's the only one that I said we should not touch? That's the one you are saying I should touch. Something must be wrong. So don't talk in the direction you don't want to go. Number next, get busy. Get busy. It's important to be busy. And I do one. They say it's the devil's workshop. We read the scripture in church on Wednesday. You should, maybe let's also read it. That scripture is important. Second Samuel 11 verse 1 to 4. I'm rounding up already. Have you been blessed this morning? Second Samuel chapter 11 and verse 1 to 4. The Bible says, and it came to pass after the year was expired. At the time when kings go forth to what? Kings do what? That David sent Joab and his servants with him and all Israel. And they destroyed the children of Ammon. And besieged Rabbah. Or Rabbah or whatever. But David tarried still at Jerusalem. Did you see that? At the time kings go to war, he stayed back. And it came to pass in an evil tide that David arose from his bed and walked upon the roof of the king's house. And from the roof, he saw a woman washing herself and the woman was very beautiful to look upon. And David sent and inquired after the woman, blah, 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 Bathsheba. That was how he slept with Bathsheba. Why? Because the time he was supposed to be busy, he was at home. Chilling. 
chilling with the big boys. <laughs> the time when he should have been busy. He was looking luku luku. <laughs> See, when you are not busy, the devil will take advantage of your idleness. Will take advantage of it. Keep yourself busy. If you are out of a job, volunteer somewhere. Don't just sit down aimlessly and just say, hey, I'm looking for a job. You have been looking for a job for months. The people that want to hire you are not stupid. They check your CV. They see lapses. Ah, seven months. You did nothing. Why? Say, I was looking for a job. It already tells them you lack initiative. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Get busy. Get busy. Get busy. Number next, avoid unnecessary curiosity. Avoid unnecessary curiosity. Curiosity, they say, always kills the cat. Many teenagers, how they got addicted to sex was out of curiosity. There was this particular, you know, um, initiative by the government um, some years ago. You know, the first lady was a part of, and the other day she just got home and she told me that one of the teenagers, you know, it was this thing they were doing for secondary school, that one of the teenagers asked her, Auntie, why is it that when ladies are having sex, they always scream? Teenager. You already know that that one, she's on the verge of doing something she's not supposed to do. That's curi- unnecessary curiosity. How do you explain? I don't know. What answer did you give her? I don't know. <laughs> but how, how do you get to that point of curiosity? You are looking for what is not lost. There are information that you don't need yet. There are seasons where you need. You know, sex education should be as age appropriate. Somebody hearing what I'm saying? You know, it's amazing that today there are so many irresponsible adults that don't know the difference between children content, teenage content, and adult content. That there are movies you should not be watching with children. Many people just put cartoon in front of children and say, because it's cartoon. What they are dispensing in cartoons now? Very terrible, demonic, and devilish. There was one I saw online I sent to Mrs. Ezekiel. You know, I said, expressions. You guys have work to do. Get to a studio. All the being dramatic. Let's work. Cartoon or animation. They were talking about masturbation. So if you feel like having sex, they were teaching masturbation in cartoon. But you can give that to a child. Say, it's not cartoon. I'll be watching, be watching. And you will now hear five years later that your child has been addicted to masturbation. You now be wondering, ah, who did this to me? You did it. You did it. You see, you must every content a child is going to consume. And it's not just about parents now. There are some of us that, you know, you have children in your care. Be that responsible. If you don't have time to watch it before they watch it, watch it with them. So as they watch it and you see poison, you can correct it immediately. But, ah, no, Junior, this is poison. This is not scriptural. And you bring Bible and show them. You see, the Bible says, do you believe in God? Yes. God is not happy with it. Say it at their level where they can understand. Some of us as adults, there are some curiosity that is not necessary. Some questions you ask, it's not necessary. So what are you wearing now? In the night, you're asking a lady what she's wearing. She's wearing three-piece suits. <laughs> so what are you wearing? What's the color? What's that? Unnecessary curiosity. Those things will lead you in the path of temptation. You know, the Bible says, the Lord is my shepherd. Uh, what's that scripture again? It says, um, uh, Psalm 23. It leads us not into temptation. Thank you. 
will deliver us from all evil. Some of us, you are the one leading yourself into temptation. God did not leave you, you are the one leading yourself through unnecessary curiosity. So let me tell you this, every information has responsibility. With knowledge comes responsibility. With knowledge comes responsibility. With knowledge comes responsibility. If you are not ready for the responsibility of that information, leave it. It's not necessary. It's not necessary. Some weeks ago, I showed us a scripture where the Bible says the time of ignorance, God has winged that. There are things God will not hold you responsible for because you did not know. I hear what I'm saying. But the moment you expose yourself to certain unnecessary information, God will hold you responsible for those things. How do they kiss? Where will you put your mouth? When you are ready to kiss, learn that. Are you hearing what I'm saying? What, what, what does it feel like to club? What does it feel like? I want to go there, go there. Don't be asking us. I can tell you there's nothing much there. I've been there. Sometimes I thank God for the route he took me through. Because some people, they feel they are missing some things because they've not experienced some things. Some people are at VG. You, you are at club. You hear loud sound. You stand up throughout the night. If they ask you to stand up in church now, praise and worship one hour, you'll be sitting down. What club? No share. Very few. And it's for the ladies. As a man, even if you sit down, ah, what's wrong with you? Let the babe sit. But in church, even they say lift up your hand, it'll be like this. Like holy police. Have you been blessed this morning? Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for the seed of your word that has been sown in our hearts.